podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so it's the day after Sterling Rose, more than if a gold tranche was found in the Thames. And we're here for a transatlantic podcast joined by FPL Raccoon Nation, Rishi, all the way from Toronto, Canada, to talk about FPL across the pond. Also, of course, Nick is here, went to us on Saturday, played with Little Moses, had a jaunt to a farm uh, for a panini, Nick, didn't we? How's things? Yeah, things are good, thank you. Well, uh, it's been a bit of a rough week for me, FPL-wise, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Otherwise, it's all sort of BAU, you know, business as usual, not much happening. Um, we're recording, actually, during the Fulham-Huddersfield match at the moment, so this will be my last chance for any kinds of points if Mitrovic bothers to do anything in the second half we'll have to wait and see just to say quickly of course who we are we are who got the assist you can find us on twitter at wgta underscore fpl and use spotify soundcloud or wherever you'd like to listen and subscribe so welcome to the pod rishi um can you just introduce yourself to the good people and tell us about yourself and fpl sure and thank you for having me boys i've been playing fpl for about 12 seasons so uh, started quite a while ago, and I was mainly focused on mini leagues, but uh, started to take it a bit more seriously after joining Twitter and trying to overtake some of my rivals more consistently. I am from Toronto in Canada. I, I was actually born in Manchester, but we moved when I was quite little. So uh, my family has been United fans since oh, going back to the 60s. So I've been to loads of matches and uh, do catch as many games as I can on TV because most of them are here. Uh, Toronto is known for trash pandas, and so it's FPL Raccoon. So thank you for having me. Awesome, awesome. I, I love T-Dot. I spent a fair few uh, months of my life over there. So welcome, Rishi. Good to have you. Uh, today we're going to be looking at the midfield quad, Sterling, Salah, Mane, and Hazard. And then if and how we manage to fit those guys into our sides, you know, do we sacrifice Kun, for example? We'll then, of course, move on to the features, including a speaker's corner on transatlantic FPLing from Rishi, and take your questions. Yep, sounds great. And um, thanks for the questions this week. Let's start then with the game week reviews. Let's get over and done with Rishi. You first as the guest. How are you doing this season and how did you get on this game week? So overall, it's one of my better starts to the year. I've been basically cycling between 100,000 and 200,000 in rank. You know, the week was looking good to start with, but uh, unfortunately I spun out on a few banana peels. I had no clean sheets. I had blanks by Mane, Madison and Fraser. Uh, some power-ups by Captain Kun Aguero and Arnautovic uh, really helped me surge a little bit and stay with the pack. But uh, like Nick, I am hoping that Mitrovic does something. Uh, otherwise, I'll have a, a small red arrow, but I'll be hovering around the 150,000 mark probably after this game week. Uh, right now, I have 63 points uh, be- uh, bearing what Mitrovic does. So not bad, but it uh, could have been a lot better. Oh, excellent. Sounds like you're going about 100cc, maybe 150cc at the moment. Doesn't sound too bad. Yeah, for me, perhaps sapped for the time of the year. I've had a bit of a horrific game week and it's uh, 51 points at the moment, probably 52 once Mitrovic gets that 60 minute mark. But we'll see if there's anything else from him. Tom actually had a really good game week and our teams are very similar. But it was just the fact that I, I was missing an Altovich and I was missing Richardson, which are, I guess, are the real kickers to the teeth. And uh, yeah, it looks like my lowest scoring game week of the season, potentially. And I think Aguero was the only guy that really did well for me with a captaincy point return of 22 and a few sprinkle of points from Hazen and Alonso. Everyone else blanks for me. All right. Uh, yeah, I, I had a decent game week in, in contrast, as you just mentioned, Nick. Uh, I had 75 minus four. I did have Richarlison. I also had Arnautovic. And it was a very dodgy last minute transfer, actually, wasn't it? It looked like at the beginning it was going to backfire. I did Wilson to Arnautovic for a minus four on Saturday morning. I made a princely one point out of it. Wilson got seven points versus Arnie getting 12 minus four, which is eight. <laughs> so it was worth it in the end. Hashtag worth it. Uh, but Arnautovic and Richarlison and Kun seeded the business. Uh, Alonso assists, but all in all, kind of okay. The march upwards continues, a green arrow again, and I'm probably going to end up about 65k-ish, uh, depending on Mitrovic's performance in the next kind of uh, 30 minutes or so. But yeah, looking quite decent for once. Pleased to have uh, turned it around after a horrendous start. Yeah, well done, Tom. Yeah, I've dropped about 50k in points, so I think we were pretty much on the same overall rank last game week as you overtook me for the first time in a year, as you said. But now, uh, yeah, you're the you're the star now. I'm I'm the mushroom. 
Yeah, hopefully, yeah. You know, hopefully you still got on the podium in, in our mini league, Nick. Right, let's move on to the main talking point for this week. And it is, of course, the midfield quad. As I've mentioned earlier, Raheem Sterling with a 21-point return uh, blasted his way into the meta and into our thinking a little bit. I mean, obviously, there are a few people who had... Um, been really pushing Raz's case, but the ownership has been a lot lower than, for example, Kun Aguero and, for example, Liverpool boys pretty consistently throughout the season. But could now be the time for us to be considering Sterling alongside Liverpool boys, uh, Mo Salah and uh, Sadio Mane, and of course, Eden Hazard. And I think it's a good time to talk about these four guys and maybe how and who we uh, accommodate into our team. Shall we start and have a look at Sterling first? Because he's obviously the guy who precipitated this discussion. He's outscored Kun in every game the two have played together. And yeah, I, I think that he's an interesting one, especially for those who are chasing. What do you think about him, Rishi? I spent a bit of time looking through his stats yesterday. And I think if you get rid of his performance this weekend, it, the, the case is a lot less compelling than you know if you look at it afterwards. So he's a, a more similar player um, from a shots per game and key passes and involvement perspective to Hazard. I also had a little bit of a look at playing through, you know, budget and, and whatnot. And, you know, he's not exactly one of the cheaper players. So it is going to take a little bit of a squad rethink to fit him in. I think um, with Sterling this game week, a 21-point return was absolutely epic. He's now only sort of two points behind the hazard in terms of overall score. I think it is time to sort of strongly consider how we can fit this guy into our teams. He's In terms of uh, penalty box touches, he's had more than any other midfielder, more than Salah now. He's had 93, Salah's second with 87, and then David Silva's third with 72. So that's a lot of touches that he's getting in that penalty box area, which is... Um, presenting lots of opportunities for goal scoring, um, which he's done plenty of this season in terms of goal threat. He's had sort of 24 goal attempts, 18 that have been inside the box. So he's he's getting lots of chances. He's looking very dangerous. I think the uh, other side of Sterling is, I guess, the risk that he's prone to missing out a game. You see that Pep likes to rotate a lot with those attacking wingers, um, Sane, Sterling and Mahrez particularly. Sterling missed game week nine, Sane 10, MR is 11. That would suggest that it's Sterling's turn again. But we know that Pep is anything but predictable. So I think he will be playing in that next game. But interestingly enough, the two games he did miss out on, Burnley and Huddersfield at home, were perhaps City's easiest games of the season so far. So there is that risk that when it is an easier fixture, he might get that rest in the league because of the amount of options that Pep has to his uh, disposal. Both your points are really good. So, uh, Rishi, you mentioned obviously that without this week's performance, maybe we'd still be looking at him and maybe looking at him as differential when he's really kind of pushed his way onto the agenda. There's kind of a point of availability here to some extent, but the data is pretty damn good actually. So, one that screamed out to me when I had a look through it is goal involvement. Raz has been involved in 50% of Man City's goals, which is absolutely mental. And Nick, you mentioned pen box touches. He's actually had the most pen box touches of any player, Aguero second. Watching him play, he's definitely a menace on the wing. Um, you both mentioned kind of the facets of him. He does have that creative side to him, but he also seems to be taking chances a little bit. So Pep said in the media that he was trying to help Raz take chances himself rather than trying to pass it off to somebody else. Remembering just two weeks ago that he was benched versus the Burnley game, as Nick said, I think he's going to be curving up and down a little bit. In terms of trying to fit him into your team, I think there is a bit of an issue there because you are looking, I think, at probably removing Coniguero to try to make that all work or moving Salah and Mane or moving a Hazard. None of that seems to quite work at the moment. So people who are looking at bringing in Sterling do look to be kind of thinking, well, Coniguero is going to go for me. Like, What do you think of that, Rishi? Do you think you'd ever be considering that? I mean, it's it's hard to ever look past Kun Aguero. He's been such a staple for many years. But, you know, at the same time, last year, Raheem Sterling proved a lot of his doubters wrong. For me right now, I have Ederson and Mendy as well as Aguero. So I, I have to rethink a little bit how I cover City. I, I don't mind tripling up, but I, I'd have to ditch one of them. Uh, right now, I'm leaning towards downgrading Ederson to probably Ryan or, or someone, uh, one of the other 4.5 keepers to give me a little bit of cash. But Generally, I, I think I can make uh, my way to having Sterling with, by not shaking up too much of my team. I, I don't have Salah, so that helps with it. If I want to get Salah and keep Sterling and Hazard and Aguero, that starts to really gut the rest of my team. So it's something I'm going to look at seriously, but after the international break. I think that makes sense. Yeah, if you don't have Salah, then obviously that gives you a little bit more money to, to play with that you can invest in the likes of Sterling. For myself, owning the likes of Salah, Hazard and Aguero... I don't know how I'd fit um, Raheem Sterling in, into my team. And 
I'd have to take hits. I'd have to tear it apart a little bit. And I want to keep Hazard. I want to keep Salah. I want to keep Aguero as well. And, you know, whilst I could double up on the City attack, their fixtures are quite middling. They've had a, a really good start in terms of fixtures for the first 10 or 11 game weeks. But now they've got, you know, a tough game against Manchester United. That's not the kind of game that I'd want to, you know, bring in Raheem Sterling just because he got a 20-plus point return. And then they've got West Ham, Bournemouth and Watford who are all doing relatively well in this season. And then Chelsea. So it's not the easiest run of fixtures for Manchester City. I've already got Mendy and I've got Aguero. I don't necessarily think that there's a case if I was to not take a hit, sell likes of Salah and Hazards. So I'm probably going to be uh, missing out on Sterling for now and hope that I can cover him and his points with um, Aguero and Mendy. I don't normally bowser your knowledge on this sort of thing, Nick. I think that the FDR is probably a bit wrong here. As you mentioned, Man United, West Ham, Bournemouth, Watford, Chelsea and Everton are the, are the next six. I have no idea how those are being given fours and threes in the FDR for City. It's becoming a bit of a banana skin for FPL there. I just think that those are all basically ones and twos for how good City are. And Kuniguero, it's worth mentioning, like, you know, people were doing him down before he showed up um, and got the double-figure return against Southampton. He still remains top for attempts amongst strikers. His ownership is huge at 51%. And tellingly, he's also top for XG in the game, 7.55. Callum Wilson, 6.76. Old Callum, who I sold as second. And I think ownership is, is the key really there because if you don't own him and he, and he does do well and Sterling is having his turn on the bench, then that's a really, really tough thing to come back from as I found out myself in game week two. So it sounds like with Sterling... We're a little bit reticent to be backing him just yet. And it sounds like I'm with Rishi here because I've got Mendy, I've got Edison and I've got Aguero. And removing one of those two defensive assets, I'm not sure which one I've removed yet. And it feels like a question for after the international break and after another game week just to see if this is sustainable because I think that, you know, he has been obviously 21 points, incredible. I can see why the headlines are grabbing people's attention, but equally perhaps uh, there's a case for patience there. And well done if you did own him and well done indeed if you were one of the 80,000 or so who captioned him. Moving on to the Liverpool duo then, uh, with us being not too sure about the ex-Liverpool man Sterling. Oh, we've got Salah and Mane. And I think I'm going to come to you here first again, Rishu, because you just said you haven't got Salah. So, do you have Mane? What, what's your approach to these Liverpool boys, especially in view of uh, th- that very, very enticing Fulham game up next? They still look absolutely terrible, don't they? Yeah, I mean, I started the season with both Mane and Salah, and I think after, I can't remember if it was five or six game weeks, I, I dropped Salah just thinking about the number of times I'd captain him, and he takes up one of our 11 slots, but 13% of the budget. So you really have to be captaining him more than 50% of the games for him to really justify his his investment from your from your cash perspective and i've had a look at his stats i mean he does have uh, reasonably high shots per game less than aguero but more than all the other people that we're talking about a bit more creative than aguero so he's again similar to, to hazard but is that extra two and a half million or so really worth the investment and i got hazard in it you know nearly 10.7 so i made that swap a, a long time ago and so far it's actually paid out because i was able to bring in mitrovic before he started scoring it allowed me to have the the dream backline. I had Fraser really early. I had Madison really early. So, you know, for me, it wasn't just about Sally versus Mane. Uh, I was about Salah versus Mane plus Fraser plus Mitrovic plus Madison because I was able to spread around those funds. So it does make me a bit nervous, but as long as I have a reasonably comparable captain for the week, I seem to be doing okay without Salah, but, uh, uh, you know, I'm always hiding behind that couch. I think, yeah, um, there's potentially going to be more couch hiding, I'm afraid, for the next few game weeks, for she looking at Liverpool's run um, that's coming up. I mean, Fulham at home, like Tom said, you know, Fulham have been absolutely terrible this season. They're second for shots on target conceded so far. They've conceded the most goals so far as well with 28 and counting and yeah they just look very poor defensively don't look organized in the slightest no I've got a feeling Liverpool have the potential to to tear them apart and then after that it's Watford Everton then Burnley who um who are the only team that have conceded more shots than Fulham um, and also got thrashed at the weekend against West Ham looking not like the same Burnley from last season then Bournemouth so yeah that's a really nice round of five fixtures for Liverpool we both own Salah I think with Mane there's almost a case that you could potentially triple up and get all three in and I think if you did get all three in you know you know that would be quite a strong team I mean it's it's a lot to put in all, all in one team you might be ignoring some of the Chelsea and City assets but I think with those fixtures there's definitely um, a case 
sort of between Salah and Mane, and I think this was one of the topics we talked about on the FPL shows, how um, you, whether you can cover sort of Salah with Mane, and uh, they're both kind of doing very well in terms of their overall points. I think they're pretty much matching. I think Salah only had two or so more points, but I think I talked about um, sort of Salah's leading the way in terms of the goal attempts for midfielders with 43. Mane's only had 23. So I think um, Salah looks like he's the more likely to get those big returns and he's the one that we'll definitely be sticking with. It's just a case of, is there space for Mane in our teams as well? Possibly not because of the budget, but I think there's definitely a case that you could bring someone like him in to, to bolster your sort of midfield for sure. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely it's music to my ears, Rishi, horribly, uh, to hear the fact that you're kind of stuck in a no Salah kind of setup because at the end of the day, I mean, they've both got similar ownership at the moment. They're 35.2% for Mo, 33.6% for Mane. But with Mo, the, the key is that like, it seems that it's going to be a lot of surgery for you to be fitting him into your team versus Mane, who probably is a bit more serviceable, as you say, for 3.2 million less. And the fact that you can get that value around your team is obviously very attractive. We've said in the past, haven't we, Nick, that Salah with him we're pointing at the stats a little bit he has the third highest xg in the game and he's under indexing by 1.31 and um, this compared to Mane who was over indexing at 2.72 uh, he's got an xg of 3.28 interesting this is only the fifth highest over index for mids uh, Eden Hazard is top for over indexing on xg Watching Salah, he's still doing what he did last year, so still lots of big chances missed. It's up to six now. He's also joint top for shots off target with 13 uh, with Ruben Neves, and he's been tackled more than any other midfielder 47 times. However, England's Josh King has been tackled 54 times, and Wilf Zahar, who could have been an England player, 74 times he's been tackled, which is pretty crazy, really, but it just kind of shows how he just bleeds uh, BPS points. I mean, there is a case for Mane because, as you said, the bottom line is the points, and he's just two points off him. And the stats for Mane are nowhere near as good. He's got almost half of Salah's shots. He's had a third of the big chances Salah had. But all of his shots have been on target when he's had the big chance. He's got a higher conversion rate, Mane, than the rest of the midfield quads. So it's an interesting one. And maybe it's with Liverpool boys, it's one that is really rooted in your team structure till now. But the reality seems to be that if you're stuck without Salah, it's going to be quite difficult. I mean, to what extent, Rishi, are you, would you ever think, oh, I'm going to jump onto Mane now? Surely Salah's going to need to really be outscoring him by a long distance for you to really think, well, all right, I'm going to rip my team up and do it. At the end of the day, Mane's underlying stats are, to be honest, the worst out of the players that we're talking about, Aguero, Salah, Hazard, and Sterling. So, you know, he is overperforming. But for now, he's, he's you know, not doing too poorly. So, you know, he's returned, I think, four out of the 10 games he's played in, but they're all double digits. He's a bonus point magnet. I mean, frankly, we all know Salah, you know, last game week or sorry, the, the game week before uh, had more returns than Mane. But in the, end, in the end, they both ended up with the same number of bonus. So that is a bit of a card in Mane's hat. Beyond that, it's, you know, how you can spread around the funds. So, you know, I think I'm riding my luck a little bit. I'm sure there'll be a, come a point where I'm going to have to bring in Salah. But I really am not sure right now where that money is going to come from. I'm just going to kind of see how it goes and hope that it's Mane plus a few other players that are matching Salah and hope that I take my captain picks elsewhere. Yeah, that certainly makes sense. It's on like Donkey Kong, really, with regard to your setup. Like my Salah plus a few weaker players versus your Mane plus three slightly stronger players and how that's going to work out. The other thing to mention, of course, is that Mane has had his quote-unquote rest against Huddersfield. I mean, obviously, it was a thumb injury, but physiologically, he's going to have been rested a little bit. Salah may be approaching the red zone, perhaps if he plays in Belgrade this midweek, and maybe versus Fulham might be a good game for Salah not to play and Shakiri to come in. Let's hope that doesn't happen right Nick I mean in terms of this we're sticking with Salah but what would you advise somebody who doesn't have Liverpool asset in midfield at the moment assuming Firmino's out of the discussion for now which one would you be saying Nick for them to be looking at and uh, maybe considering bringing him I still think that Salah's the best pick and even though he's the most expensive player in the game that Fulham home match doesn't get more enticing you know like we said Fulham are horrendous at the moment and, uh... Yeah, even losing, well, Mitch Richards has been booked, excellent. That's another point of my... <laughs> so, yeah, yeah just uh, going to abuse Fulham a little bit more on, on the back of that happening. It takes me down another point. Excluding Salah, I think second choice for me would be Mane. 
after that, I think Shakiri would be a very interesting uh, prospect uh, for this particular game week, just because um, it looks like he's not actually going to be travelling to Belgrade because of the political um, tensions uh, for Shakiri in Serbia. So he's potentially looking like he'll probably play um, in the Premier League this weekend. So he could be a really decent prospect. And, you know, he's he's pretty cheap, so he's affordable as well. So if you were looking at someone like Madison who you wanted to get rid of, then, you know, he Shakiri could come in and he's only 7.0 million, so he's only 0.1 million, so it could be a straight swap. And that could be a really good way of covering Liverpool for that Fulham game and for those other fixtures because Shakiri could easily, very easily return in that game. So, yeah, with Shakiri, the thing is that, I mean, do you really want a player who's going to play once in every three games? I mean, it might be good for like a one game kind of output, but I can't really see that being sustainable as a long term pick. But you know, it could be, you know, if someone's you know, about to wildcard or something, that might be a really nice, uh, really nice one weaker. Shall we move on then? And uh, let's just talk about Aiden Hazard, the other expensive midfielder that we're all holding in our teams. He's been injured, so he's back now. Um, looking good, though, came off and uh, promptly got an assist to his name, uh, getting us a little bit of a return. Chelsea's fixtures are quite middling as well. Um, they've got Everton at home next, but then it's Tottenham away before Fulham at home, Wolves away, then Manchester City at home. So, you know, it's, it's a mixed bag in terms of fixtures. Is there a case that we don't need this guy in our team? We can perhaps downgrade him to the likes of Mane or or spend a little bit more money and get in Sterling. Um, for me, I think Hazard stays in the team. He's got seven goals to his name. He's had a great season. Obviously, if you were to sell Hazard, it would have been two weeks ago when he was injured and looked like he wasn't starting. But, you know, um, a lot of people like myself and Tom also have a lot of money invested in Hazard. So if we were to sell him, we'd probably want to buy him back for that Fulham at home game and would, may not even be able to afford him because of the amount of money that he's we've invested. I think he's gone up by about 0.8 since I brought him in. He's another person that I've had a love-hate with. Um, I think it's been well-storied over FPL. When he's good, he's good. And when he's uh, he's not on, he can be quite frustrating. Good stats from a you know shots perspective. But he, he's, he's more of a creative outlet as far as what I'm seeing in terms of key passes, shots per game, shots inside the six-yard box in the penalty area. He's the talisman of Chelsea. It shows in 90 seconds he can come on and get you a return. And you know he's, he's very cost-effective as well. So for me, I'm going to hold him. I, I got him really early and really cheap. So he's got to really, you know, be missing or blanking for several games before I really look at reallocating those funds. And he's just a really cost effective way of covering a, a solid team. Yeah, for sure. Uh, he's definitely highly owned at the moment. And I think that selling him would be you know, rank suicide. Like the people who are selling him for Barkley last week, what were they thinking? Absolute lemmings. Uh, he is, as I mentioned, the top over-indexer in terms of XG. He's got plus 3.55 more goals than he should have. Uh, Martial was second, Charleston third, and fourth was Aubameyang, 3.17. Uh, he's central to Chelsea's play, and Sarri Ball, it seems, uh, really revolves around Williams slash Pedro and Hazard and what they can do. Uh, whilst centre forward Giroud Morata makes space. It's not quite a give it to Hazard, but he's had 494 touches in the final third. Uh, that's more than 100 more than the second, who's also his teammate Willian, and 110 more than third, uh, David Silva. Uh, he's joint third chances created, as you mentioned, Rishi, very creative with uh, Fraser and second big chances created. He's also sit for attempts, which is fairly middling, but he's had 27 of them, which is three more than Raz. And if you filter it to chance in the box, he's actually had 19, uh, which is joint second with Sadio Mane. Uh, so this is a guy who's incredibly creative, also getting in the box and taking shots the complete fpl asset selling is absolutely scandalous the fixtures are kind of okay everton tottenham fulham wolves and man city uh, then they've got a great run between game week 17 22 where they don't play any of the top six teams i mean you've got to hope that his, his back is okay but i mean really there's no way i think he's gonna be leaving our teams on, on his current kind of form with regards to this then what do you think is the optimal three? I mean, we've got Salah and Hazard. Like, is there is there a scope for having a third one, or are you happy having that those funds allocated elsewhere? I mean, people have been talking about having a budget front line to have three of them fitted in. Yeah, I think if you, if you wanted to get a third in, then you would have to obviously sell elsewhere. I mean, we talked previously about going big at the back. It, it wasn't the week to, to talk about that, considering they all kind of blanked and oh, no one kept a clean sheet. Happen, but um, you could say there's 
been an argument now presented of going small at the front and just having like an attack line of the likes of Anatovich and the likes of Callum Wilson and just having those as your front two guys and only having about 12 or 13 million spent on on your front line essentially and that kind of gives you that freedom of cash to to invest in the likes of Hazard I mean you know the stats and hazards he's definitely a season keeper for me I mean obviously you know his numbers are sort of comparable for Salah by the fact that he's actually missed half the um almost half the season about a third of the season through various sort of subs appearance at the beginning of the season and missing a couple of games in the last couple of game weeks so you know in terms of sort of chances and everything he's actually seeming to be produced about the same amount of chances as um as Salah per minute so uh with 25.7 minutes per chance as compared to Salah's 21.9. So there's not really that much difference in terms of goal threat for those two assets. And for both of them, I think Salah, I'm not going to sell him, especially with that Liverpool run of fixtures. I think there's definitely a case of getting the likes of Mane in. Um, I'm not sold on Sterling, unfortunately, at the moment. I, I think he's very expensive. I'd love to have him in my team if I could afford him, but 11.1 million. Um, I'd much prefer sort of having a little bit more you know, freedom of structure, I guess. Owning Aguero up front gives me that freedom to swap him out for the likes of Aubameyang, uh, for Arsenal's really good run of fixtures come game week 16. Or even, you know, if, if necessary, if Harry Kane suddenly comes back into form, then there's, um, that, there's more freedom of structure rather than sort of having all your money sort of invested in the midfield and the defence. Well, I, I would say that uh, I think some of your thoughts, especially regarding Fulham uh, this evening, have... I think I got got to take a closer look. Uh, I had a look at what my ability would be to keep Aguero, but get a third premium mid. Now, for me to bring in, as we know, I have Mane, I have Hazard, I want to keep Aguero. So for me to bring in, let's say, Sterling, I could actually do this game week because um, I have two free transfers. And it would take me a minus eight, but I can move some cash around and I think I'd be okay. To get him up to a Salah would require me to sell one of Mendy, Alonso, or Robertson. Um, and I'm frankly not even sure if I could do it without taking almost a minus 12 this week. So I need to give this a little bit of a rethink. Um, covering Fulham this weekend is fairly important in my mind, but I'm also not willing to do a like-for-like Mane to Salah move because I just, in my experience, you try not to do a sideways move if you can between the team, especially in the same position. But uh, let's see where I, what I can do with my funds. Um, something, something definitely to think about. Yeah, I think like we mentioned with Salah, there is that risk that he might not even play at the weekend. So I think a sideways move would be very, very dangerous. I think perhaps there's even the possibility that you might be thinking of captaining Mane, though, perhaps as, as your way of covering Salah. Just note this is a suggestion that he might not play. We're not uh, doing an ad. No, no suggestion whatsoever. We, we're, we're not claiming <laughs> Play. Uh, yeah, not, we haven't got any secret insight from Mark Sovens or anything. Uh, but j- just kind of one quick mention as well uh, for, for one man uh, who's a, a little bit kind of uh, maybe may, maybe may join this kind of select crew soon. Uh, David Silvernick, your uh, your former player from earlier on the season, just seven point four percent ownership, got a goal this weekend. He's actually got the highest XA expected assists amongst midfielders. He's got the lowest mins per XA of anyone who's played over five hundred minutes. Um, He's joined top for chance creator and he's £2.6 million cheaper than Raheem Sterling. So if you want a bit of that city midfield and you want to keep Aguero, uh, he might be a really good idea to look at. Uh, for me, I'm sticking with Salah and Hazard. Um, with Sterling, it does seem like I'm going to have to remove Aguero to do it. Do I want to do it? I don't know. I, I'm, I've seen, I mentioned Mark Sovens a second ago. He's done really, really well through kind of going for a bold differential strategy of captaining uh, Sterling this week. Uh, not having Aguero and having a cheap forward line, which is how we started the season, which didn't go so well, same as me. I think that that could actually be quite nice. Like Sterling has outscored Kun the, t- the amount of times he's been on the pitch. There is going to be inevitable rotation. And that's uh, that's the kind of the worry really there. But if he is on the pitch, and he does seem to be a key man under Pep Guardiola's approach. He could do a Salah this year. It's between him and Hazard, who does it? Uh, but one of them is likely to. And it, you know, why not Raz, basically? I don't think you can go too wrong with any of these four, uh, boringly. It's just the case of trying to make sure that you balance the rest of your team out well. And we'll have a couple of questions on maybe some enablers and how they are going to need to step up in order to facilitate this happening later on. But for now, hopefully that's a, a nice look at those kind of four guys and maybe they'll be able to help you out in the future. Okay, let's take a break there, guys, and we'll come on to the features. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? 
So we're back and we're going to go for our features now. Uh, this is our regular section of the pod where we discuss market forces, the zombie league and how that's going, the All England team and Rashid's got speaker's corners to talk to you about whatever he likes. The first thing we talk about is the market forces. This is our section where Nick uses our FPL NTI data to describe the movers and shakers in the transfer market. Jukanovic is getting sacked in the morning. Uh, Wet Wagner's doing his clap around. It's all happening. Oh. One, 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 one nil was one it? One nil to the four, four and one nil. Fair enough. Yeah, well, he's cheering them on. Anyway, right, let's get cracking. So, um, in terms of transfers in, Callum Wilson and uh, Marco Anatovic, um, over 100,000 transfers in for both at this moment of time. Obviously, we've talked a fair bit about Callum Wilson and uh, Mario Anatovic, uh, both. I think both are sort of talismanic figures uh, for their clubs, aren't they? And uh, the leading men. And I think with uh, West Ham after that Burnley uh, Burnley match, a lot of people think about bringing Arnie in for sure. Huddersfield up next for him. He's, he's one that I'm thinking about bringing in um, for Mitrovic. And I don't really want to talk about this guy. I'm, in a, I'm, in, I'm annoyed. I'm angry, <laughs> to be honest. But, uh, yeah, complete massive blank for him. He's had over 100,000 transfers out and counting. What's more annoying, he's also had a price fall before this game even kicked off. Um, and Arnie, who I was thinking about bringing in, has had a price rise. So um, I'm almost, I'm very tempted to do the rage transfer, but I'm going to be a little bit, I'm going to hold back. I'm going to be patient and wait for those Champions League matches to be played. But yeah, Mitro's had over 100,000 transfers out. Wilson and Arnie clearly are the, the guys being brought in. And um, yeah, uh, Rishi, I know that you, you're thinking about uh, moving Mitrovic on as well, aren't you? Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Uh, I caught a couple of his early returns, but it's been a few game weeks with a blank, and I I think I'm ready to ship him. I mentioned earlier I have two free transfers this week, so uh, Mitro and, to be honest, Madison from Leicester are are the two highest ones on my, uh, I guess, get rid of list, and I am still deciding kind of where to go with that. I mean, obviously, Richarlson seems to be flourishing in his striker role, so he's one that I'm looking to bring in, and he also has... A reasonable amount of uh, well, ninety-two thousand transfers in right now. So he's he's one on top of mind. But with them playing Chelsea next, it's not uh, you know as much of a incentive. Um, but those are the main two on my mind. Yeah, Madison actually is. It's interesting you mentioned Madison and Richardson. Um, Tom owned Richardson, I owned Madison. It was another case of, oh, just one player causing the difference between ourselves. But Richardson's had over 90,000 transfers in, so he's really um, gaining some traction again in the market forces. Whilst um, James Madison's second in terms of transfers out, with over 60,000 transfers out at the time of recording. And uh, yeah, for Madison, it's been four blanks in a row since I brought him in. And that uh, Richardson return has sort of really give, driven me some frustration. But I think with Madison, they've got Burnley at home up next. They've still got a great run of fixtures. Burnley, Brighton, Watford, Fulham. It's, it's every game. I've, I just keep seeing people in our Slack group say, oh, Madison very close to an assist there. You know, Maguire's rattled the crossbar. It was an offside goal or or something along those lines. And, and Madison's underlying stats are still very impressive. Um, he's had 26 chances created, which is the sixth highest out of all midfielders, you know, alongside the likes of Fraser and um, Hazard there. But he's only had the two assists. So he's definitely due another assist. And uh, you'd like to think, um, you know, like I said, Burnley, Brighton, these, these are the kind of fixtures where surely he's going to finally re- uh, return and reward those owners. Whilst... Yeah, River Charleston is a little bit of a risk because he's got a slight knock as well that Marco Silva's spoken out about. And uh, Everton have the tougher fixture against Chelsea next. Yeah, they do. And um, I'm hoping that's OK. I'm sure it will be. I hope you want those phantom international break injuries. I and mean, other notable incomers, uh, Anthony Martial, 82,000 transfers in. And he has actually scored five goals in his last four games. He's... Uh, returned at least nine points for his owners since game week eight, uh, which is an absolutely phenomenal record. 7.5 out of position as well, to some extent, with Lukaku uh, allegedly carrying a knock. That's pretty good, and that might maybe where a few of the uh, the Madison sellers are going to. And elsewhere, a few other kind of little bits and pieces to mention which caught my eye this week. Uh, one is that Aguero, uh, he is currently sit for transfers out with 26,000 transfers out. But he is also just outside the top 10 for transfers in, with 27,000 transfers in. So his NTI is about zero. Obviously, people can't make their minds up about Aguero, whether he's worth kind of uh, sacrificing because of what's going on or whether because 
I don't know, because he scored a goal or something, people are bringing him in. A couple of other things to mention, which made me laugh this week. It was the middle of the pack in terms of transfers out. Um, a couple of people think they found the golden mushroom. I, I don't think they're quite right. 19,000 people have seen enough of Mo Salah ahead of a game against Fulham and transferred him out. I'm not sure about that. Uh, equally, uh, people have seen enough of Matt Doherty or perhaps probably not seen him play at all uh, because he's been transferred out by yeah, 18,000 people, which is a bit silly really because you know he had six attempts versus Brighton, had an uh, assist wrongly chalked off in the last game. 16,000 people have sold Doherty. I, I just can't see he's going to be one of those players who, for whatever reason, is going to be worth moving around. Like He's one of those players you just kind of stick with, don't you? I, I really don't understand that. But yeah, quite an interesting set of uh, of market forces this week. Um, but interestingly enough as well, the man uh, the man of the hour, Raheem Sterling, only brought in by 43,000 managers, not close to a rise yet. Um, you'd be expecting uh, a little bit more, but maybe it is because of having to rip your team up having man united next the people are being a bit reticent but i mean equally maybe those people are people who have sold salah for sterling right let's move on to the zombies then uh this is where we check on the progress of our shambling zombies uh in teams run by our unspecified fan members this is our no chips no transfers no changes league and uh nick how have your guys done this week i know it's been a pretty poor week for both of us yeah, my zombies have done pretty terribly. Uh, worse than my main team, but you know it's my main team that I I care about really, as you know. Um, yeah, thirty points for my zombies, pretty shocking performance. All in all, only eight zombies actually bothered to turn up for the game week as well, which is a little bit disappointing. Um, Salah blanked. Um, you know, like some Mares and Vitonian and and Diego Yotta all got zero pointers. Uh, Diego Yotta looking like a really bad pick actually for the. Uh, Zombies has actually dropped in price more than any other player this season. So, uh, yeah, he's down to 5.9 now after starting at uh, 6.5. So, yeah, bad times for my Zombies. Only um, Harry Kane and uh, uh, Mario Arnautovic uh, getting the points. Uh, How how about yourself then, Tom? Uh, How did your uh, Zombies do? It's very, very poor. It's 22 points. No, 21 points for my Zombies, Nick. I had the aforementioned uh, Diego Jota. I also had uh, Pascal Gross of pre-season Let's Buy Him fame. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne, Christian Eriksen and uh, Tom Kearney making up my midfield. So I got three points for my midfield this week. In fact, throughout my Zombie team, I only got one return, um, which was a clean sheet for Pereira and he got booked. So that was five points. Really, really poor performance. And I'll Aubameyang not scoring uh, means that they've completely fallen down. As many people said, as soon as he starts, Aubameyang is not going to do anything. Uh, but it's, it's not looking very good for them. Uh, back down to blow the thousand mark in the Zombie League. Um, up top in the Zombie League, it's still 38 weeks later. It's Marino Bruyne uh, on 699 points, which is worryingly just two points uh, below my team. Uh, so it just kind of shows uh, how well some people set up at the beginning of the season. Uh, just two points behind him. Uh, it's a tie of second place at Zombie Mango, Rob Mays, and uh, Zombie's Storehile, Thomas Storehile. A uh, good week for Zombie Mango, Rob, and Captain Aguero and David Silva doing the business there. In fourth, it's Zombieland, uh, NP, 55 points, uh, up 693, so just four off the off second of six off the top. And in fifth, it's uh, Annabelle Christie, Sir, Sir Pants a lot, 55 points. Yeah, 57 points, actually, because uh, Tompkins and Wan-Bissaka are going to come off the bench for Josh King and the Dejan Lovren. Uh, so, yeah, keep going, guys. But um, it's, as far as zombie teams, Nick, I think they're pretty dead in the water. Uh, the final thing to catch up on this week before we uh, hand over to Rishi for a speaker's corner is the All-England team. And the All-England team did very well. Um, actually, no, the All-England team didn't do very well, but one player did do very well. That was Raheem Sterling, who was the captain. Uh, forced two points for him, obviously, and a uh, Harry Kane goal. Uh, Kieran Trippier assists were the only three contributions this week and it just kind of shows how important it is just to get that captain right. It can completely elevate a very poor week into an okay week. 68 points is, is pretty good considering that 8 out of 11 of the players blanked. But up to the heady heights of 1.2 million now. We'll see what we do over international break, but we roll the transfer or keep going as we are. Okay, uh, so we offer every guest a speaker's corner. Uh, some uh, pet, I'm thinking of you, uh, uh, were worse than others. Uh, but Rishi is going to talk to us a little bit about transatlantic FPLing and how that works over in the beautiful, glorious T-Dot and uh, how he follows us, interacts with the community and interacts with the game he loves. Uh, over to you, Rishi. Great, thanks, Tom. So uh, I guess the first big point is uh, I am five hours behind uh, all of you in the UK and I guess other listeners around the world. So my path to pole position is a little bit different each day and each week. 
you know, historically I've been really guilty of uh, making early transfers in the week and looking at price rises a bit too much. So these days I try to pay less attention, almost don't go on the Twitter community Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, because I just find that by the time the end of the middle of the week or the end of the week comes around, I'm uh, doing rage transfers and doing all sorts of things early on. Um, I think one thing to note is price changes happen around 8.30 p.m. in the evening here. So while most of you are sleeping, it's a little bit more of a present issue because I have that ability, I guess, after dinner, spend a little bit of time, uh, have a look at the market forces and see if I can take advantage of any uh, price rises or falls. So I think that that tends to influence me a little bit more than the typical person. Uh, beyond that, we have to make decisions on Friday night. So I'm not, uh, even though I have a little one, I... I'm not usually awake before 6.30 in the morning on the weekends, so I don't get the ability to read the latest news before I lock in my team. But uh, when I do get up, you know, it's, a, it's less of a pub affair. Uh, the nice thing in Canada is pretty much every single game is on TV. So if I had wanted to watch, you know, even Huddersfield-Fulham, as enthralling as that would have been, um, it's, on, it's on and I can pretty much watch as many games as I want to. So besides the Man United game, uh, I try to catch a couple of them, especially if there's a big six team playing. Uh, but beyond that, we do a big English breakfast fry up and uh, kind of enjoy it in the morning and then get on with the rest of the day. So that's generally what I do. Um, I think in terms of the Twitter community, I tend to be online, uh, you know, in my evening. So a little bit more late night from the UK and the Europe perspective. But it's a good chance to interact with a little bit different parts of the community. Cool. Yeah, I remember when I was in Toronto, my girlfriend was in um, my girlfriend at the time. That is, uh, was in uh, Malaysia at the time. I remember it was an eighteen-hour time split. So um, later on this week, Rishi, if we're talking, I'm going to be like you know heading into the next day when you've just woken up, which is really cool. But you know, it's very cool to have everybody from all around the world taking part in FPL and being able to talk about the game we love. Um, long live the Rainbow Road of FPL! And uh, yeah, it's very nice to hear kind of that anecdote and how things just work outside of the UK because often we get so kind of uh, caught up in the idea that it's 11 30 and we forget that for a lot of people that is before they wake up uh, or maybe that is when they're out drinking okay uh, let's take a break there guys and we'll move on to the questions who got the assist who got the assist so we're back and it's uh, time to catch up with the who got the assist mini league um so yeah still at the top is guy guy with vinealdum levio salah and um he emailed us this week as well so thanks for the email guy uh doing brilliantly he's uh eighth in the world currently with um, a score of 71 so a decent week as well um aguero captain he's got wilson um he's got richarlison 15 pointer really good return actually adds jimenez on the bench for a 12 pointer so that that will sting a little bit i guess um benching jimenez for his uh for his haul and, and playing sort of a, a four-man defense with double chelsea defense and uh, david louise is a bit of a Bit of a differential in that little team as well. So, yeah, great week for Guy. Um, there's a few people uh, just behind him, though. Uh, Kirk Goodwin, the Iron Laddie, is still doing very well. Uh, got the same score as uh, Guy this game week with a 71-pointer. Kurt's uh, 21st in the world at the moment. Um, we've still got Ashley Humphrey uh, with Keita Moy Hart as well. 76 points, really good score. Um, joined the 800 club and in the top 100 in the world as well. Um, Nat Frisky with 63, got um, 63 points. He's uh, joined on 793 points with uh, Boom, Maddie Razor, who got more of a disappointing 56 points uh, this game week. Um, a fellow Mitrovic owner and Madison owner as well, so probably suffering like myself. Uh, so well done, everybody, and well done to the top five particularly. Uh, just a couple of things to mention. The first thing is the FPL show. We are on it last week, and thanks very much for everybody who liked and watched the show with me and Nick on there blathering on about FPL with Jules and James. It's really amazing to, to see them both in person, especially uh, obviously no disrespect to Jules, but James Richardson, who I grew up watching on the Football Italia piece uh, with Peter Bradley and things like that, and listening for years and years on Football Weekly. So absolutely incredible to meet them in person. And we had a great time, didn't we, Nick? Yeah, yeah, it was really good to be on the show. A bit daunting for both of us, um, our first sort of live uh, recording. Uh, but yeah, no, really good fun. Loads of positive feedback from all the guys online. So yeah, thanks for all the kind words. Um, much appreciated for all the support that the community's given us. Yeah, amazing. Hopefully uh, we didn't do too bad, though I still can't accept the tag of expert. 
God. Right, uh, let's move on to the questions then this week. We, we have a few um, which actually tie into our discussion in some ways. The first one's on 5.5 Heroes. So this is Josh King. This is Riyad Mahrez territory. Uh, Goops has, Hi, Goops has asked us, uh, which fourth midfielders in the 5.5 category we should be looking at? So he's looking at Knockout here, who's in his team, unfortunately. <laughs> lots of no-shows, lots of zeros. And the fact is that one of these guys really needs to step up in order for us to be trying to fit in uh, you know, these premium midfielders, I guess. Ryan Fraser at the moment probably is, is the guy to own there, but a lot of people, he's probably too expensive for a lot of people, especially those who are entering uh, into that market when he's 6.1, he's probably out of the equation. Um, he is top for big chance of creating amongst midfielders, for example, so absolutely crazy. And he is winning the kind of the steeple chase for being the top midfielder in that kind of bracket at the moment. But for people who can't afford that, guys, what are we thinking? Who are we looking at? Uh, Rishi, you, you first. Who in that kind of fallow bracket is uh, catching your eye, if anybody? There's really only two people that are catching my eye. I, I was very impressed with uh, how uh, David Brooks did um, playing for Bournemouth against United. So, you know, I don't think we can justify having uh, three uh, Bournemouth players, but I think you could make a good case for having some combination of Brooks and Fraser and Wilson because um, they're just they're doing quite well. So he, he at least met the eye test. The uh, only other one that I would say is I, I'm still trying to make a decision between uh, Murphy or Camarosa at Cardiff. Uh, they both play quite advanced. I think Murphy's the the more direct of the two. Uh, so, you know, he's one to consider. But those are the only really two cheap ones that I'm considering at this time. Yeah, I, I think you're probably right. Like Camarosa, 4.5, hit the bar this week. And he's on corners for Cardiff. I mean, th that's good enough, isn't it? And David Brooks, I think, is probably going to be on a lot of people's wish list, especially given the fact he seems to be part of the front three with Ryan Froze a little bit further behind. I mean, this is really punty territory, isn't it? I mean, Kennedy, I tweeted this morning, uh, he's actually top for shots in the last uh, last four games. Uh, unfortunately, the vast majority has been off target. He's had 16 shots in level with Paul Pogba. But really in the 5.5 category, we really need someone to step up. The, the one I was really looking at and did score this week was Demarai Gray. Um, he looked very good when he came on for Leicester, uh, got an assist in the last game, and then obviously he scored um, and had that um, touch moment where he took his shirt off to reveal a tribute to Kumbashai. Um Nonetheless... It's one to watch and wait for. Um, Demarai Gray has the fixtures. You've also got the likes of, you know, Alex Pritchard hanging around. You've also got the likes of, well, you've also got the likes of, oh, who do we even have? Well, Will Hughes. Um, it's not looking the best. It's just a case of maybe grabbing one and just hoping that they do something. Um, I mean, with Camarasa, the key is that you've you kind of freed up so much cash that you can then reinvest that elsewhere. And maybe it's the case that with this entire category, we just write it off for now until someone does come in have your bench fodder there and then uh maybe react if someone does start to come to the fore what do you think there nick with these guys it's not looking very hopeful is it i quite like david brooks as an option he's definitely a player that's uh, sort of come around this season and uh, has definitely um you know caught the eye in terms of his performances for bournemouth and uh yeah, I think he's he's definitely a, a decent option. It's quite cheap at five point one. There's of course there's Ruben Neves who scored a penalty. Seems to be on penalties, except he didn't take the second one. Um, he's actually four for midfielders for goal attempts with thirty. But incidentally, only one of them has been inside the box, and he's only had two penalty box touches. So a, a lot of pot shots being taken there. So I'm not sure how much we can read into that particular statistic. Uh, but yeah, not too many options. Uh, you know, Josh Murphy at four point eight another potential option or um you know Alex Iwobi if only he'll step up at 5.5 at Arsenal if he can get into that sort of Arsenal first team and, and play week in week out and start to deliver consistent returns and goals and assists which we know he has the potential for then he could be a really decent option uh particularly come game week 16 as I keep saying so the next question is on Wilson um and Andy Penman has asked us if Wilson is the real deal or was it just an easy fixture versus United. So Tom, you, you sold Wilson. Uh, are you thinking about bringing him back? Do you have a plan at all? Or are you happy not to own for now and just go for an Arnie Aguero front line? Uh, I mean, this week, the key was obviously getting on Altovich and the key was getting Mendy. And I, I think that Wilson became the lots and sacrificial lamb. Four attempts in the last game. Um, his top big chances missed, as we know. 
he's also got 30% ownership now. So he's looking like if he does do something, if he does do a lot, then he's a bit of a rank killer. And I'm a little bit worried in the next game, Nick, against Newcastle, that he might actually really hurt me from my very particular point of view. I've got two strikers, Kunaguero and Arnautovic. Arnautovic, you know, watching Bournemouth and, um, and Wilson and watching Arnautovic and West Ham, it was night and day. In the first half, Arnautovic could have had a hat-trick. A stonewall penalty turned down. Amazing save by Joe Hart. I mean, obviously, he did get his goal, which I woke Moses up celebrating, didn't I, Nick? Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I think that he does seem to be at the price point as well. Like, you know, I did, I had him in the 6.4. A lot of people out there will have him in 6.1, 6.2. That is outrageous value for what he's returning. And I think that... You know, if it was a little bit different, then maybe um, I'd have removed Fraser and kept Wilson and gone and had a three up front. As it is, I've got two up front, and I may not bring Wilson. In. I just don't know about that. I mean, the the fixtures for Bournemouth are, are actually pretty good, given how good they looked, uh, rather than looking at the FDR. I mean, twelve and thirteen, Newcastle and Arsenal. Um, I keep him for those two. It's just game week fourteen versus Man City that might be a bit of a worry, and game week sixteen against Liverpool, which may be a bit of a worry. But you no, know, Huddersfield game week fifteen sandwich between those. Um, and if you do own Wilson, I and you're you don't have an alternative for him. I, I definitely keep hold of him. As a non-owner, I'm a little bit worried by him, but I'm going to have to hope at least this week that nothing happens. Yeah, I think with uh, Wilson, you've made some valid points, but it's also his his chance creation stats are very impressive this season. He's really seems to have upped his game in, in a prolific-looking Bournemouth. I mean, in terms of chances created, he's had 17. It's only one less than Sergio Aguero. He's second for all forwards. So, you know, he's rightly had those sort of seven assists that he's accrued so far this season. In terms of big chances created for forwards, he's top as well with seven. Only Troy Deeney apparently is second with four so far this season. So, yeah, he's creating lots of chances. He's very dangerous and he's certainly a player that I wish I had owned and because I haven't owned him all season. Uh, Somehow just about got away with it, I guess. But uh, yeah, definitely a player I'm looking at. Though at the moment, I'm just preferring the, the look of Anatovic, particularly because of the, the fixtures, I think. Uh, what about yourself, Rishi? I know you mentioned Wilson earlier on pod. Yeah, he's hard to, to fit in, to be honest. I mean, like I said earlier, I want to keep Aguero. I've had Arnautovic for a few weeks, and he's finally returned. So it's really that question of what do I do with the third striker spot uh, or do I, you know, try to consolidate a little bit, bring those funds into midfield. So, you know, I've had Fraser for uh, since uh, quite cheap value. So he's, you know, doing a bit of the job. Um, I do worry a little bit about, you know, Wilson's form eventually falling off. Um, and some of it's a bit of stubbornness, to be honest. I mean, it's similar to Diego Costa a couple of years ago where, you know, I was always thinking, okay, this must be the end that he's going to stop returning or, but he just seems to keep on going. So I would like to be able to fit him in. I just don't see how that's going to work with uh, trying to put a little bit more money into my midfield. Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of the time it is due to team structure, which is why we do stuff. And you know, if you do have three strikers, Wilson's the ideal third striker. It swings and roundabouts, really. It's whatever best suits your team. For some people, he's a peach. For other people, he's a toad. Right, uh, let's move on to the next question. Uh, tier 2 mids, uh, and is Martial in particular generally any good? Uh, so Ian, Fantasian FPL, fellow Canadian of yours, uh, Rishi, asked us uh, about the 7.5 to 8 million mids who are being a bit neglected at the moment. It's the likes of Siggy, uh, Son and Pogba. And uh, Martial at 7.5 has entered this category. So will Bill FPL ask us if Martial is a genuine option? And uh, Rishi, as a Man United fan, who watches many of the games, if not all of the games, um, can you tell us a little bit about Martial from your eye test and what you really think about him and whether he is the guy to bring in? Um, we rubbished him a little bit last week on the, on the FPL show, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. He's definitely uh, doing something, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, he is uh, one of those something-out-of-nothing players, right? So he'll look like he's out of the game for vast periods of time, and then suddenly he gets an opportunity, cuts right in, and scores. Uh, and, and frankly, a lot of his goals over the last few weeks have been worldies, you know, nice bending it around players and whatnot. So I, I don't know. I it, it pains me this season, but I, I just have such little faith. And, you know, Mourinho has his own form of rotation. Players are starting to come back healthy. Uh, Martial's never been that consistent. So... Um, you know, he's had a great run so far and I'm just waiting for it to fall off. So I, I'm not really sure at this point, um, from a mid price perspective, I'm not really sure there's a lot of value at 7.5 to eight. Uh, I'm thinking that if you can carve out that extra half million for a David Silva or a, dare I say, Ozil from Arsenal, you might be, it might be better off. I think that's that the case with Martial. We, 
he's at, he's at an awkward price point. He's obviously not premium, but you know, are there other players out there that you'd think perhaps are still better value than him? For instance, the likes of Ryan Fraser, Richarlison, Roberto Pereira, all still currently outscoring him in terms of overall points in that midfield mid-price bracket. And there's the likes of Madison as well, who we won't talk about. But um, yeah, I think with, with Martial, he's, he's definitely an option. They've got City up next, so it's not a transfer. I think many people will be thinking about Brickmate doing this particular game week. But, you know, if, if he performs again, it'll be interesting to see what happens when Lukaku's fit as well. If he can make that number nine position his and Lukaku seems completely out of the cold, then a lot of people will be considering a 7.5 million out of position Manchester United forward, which, you know, Five years ago, would have sounds you know fantastic. I um, mean, it's an interesting, uh, interesting set of players there. I mean, with Pogba, I just think that if you're looking at, I mean, uh, who, uh, Pogba, who uh, Ian mentioned, uh, he's a player who seems fairly, uh, fairly ephemeral at times. Like as you'd say, Nick, and he's fairly mercurial. He's second for in terms of total attempts uh, amongst midfielders with thirty six. <laughs> Um, has a very high has a very high xG actually, and then you've got the likes of Sigurdsson and you've got the likes of Willian uh, appearing uh, in the uh, in the uh, it's this potential kind of bracket. Willian's created the joint most chance with David Silva, uh, thirty two, and Sigurdsson thirty. Willian actually filled featured in this week's uh, scout picks um, incredibly, um, but it is quite an awkward price bracket, um, and it is one of those that maybe, as Rishi was saying, you'd be looking at maybe looking at David Silva. Uh, the only honourable exception, I think, maybe is Siggy. Uh, so Siggy is fifth for goal attempts with 28, uh, second for chance creative with 30. He was very, very unlucky not to score this week, uh, either unlucky or a bit poor. Um, but either way, he is looking like a very interesting differential for, for many players, potentially. And he's got the set-piece monopoly, and he's one of those players who can return in games because of the penalties as well. Um, and you know, Richarlison, as I mentioned earlier, does have a very, very high over-index in terms of the XG. So could it be that Siggy is actually going to be the guy who's going to tick you through points throughout the course of the season? However, I would probably be siding with Nick here in terms of saying that the cheaper players in that bracket, maybe Richarlison, are probably where you'd be looking. Maybe not Madison for now. Then maybe take a punt on my uh, my FM hero, uh, Demarai Gray. Um, the next question is Salumarang. Uh, Kiwi Nick, uh, not our Nick, has asked us if keeping Salah and Kun as the kind of the key access into game week 15 um, and swapping them over to Sterling and Kane is a good strategy. Um, so from game week 15 onwards, Spurs um, do embark on a very, very good run of fixtures. Uh, so after the Arsenal uh, game, which is probably an easy game for them, let's be fair, <laughs> between game week 15 and tw- uh, 21, they play no teams in the top six um so maybe we'll be looking at a few of their players you know ericsson may be coming back but harry kane's going to be the headliner we know what he does around christmas love scoring hat tricks then uh the inveterate spurs fan at the table nick uh what are you what are you thinking about that are you thinking it may be that uh, salar and Kun get their time in the sun now and then sterling and kane may kind of appear after that well, the one I was thinking about bringing in come game week 16 was actually Aubameyang, who's, uh, you know, been pretty brilliant this season, one of the top strikers. And uh, yeah, because of Arsenal's fixtures, actually, which are worth a mention, game week 16, Huddersfield at home, then it's Southampton away, Burnley at home, and then Brighton away. Then it's a tougher one, Liverpool away, but then it's Fulham at home and West Ham away. So that's a great run of fixtures for Aubameyang. And Aubameyang, yeah, he's been brilliant this season. He's about 10.9, so he's a little bit cheaper than Kane as well, which frees up a little bit more cash to invest elsewhere and allows you to afford the likes of Sterling and still don't have to shift your team around too much. Aubameyang, you know, he's had uh, five goals and assist in the last four games, unfortunately blanked against Liverpool, but has been pretty... Uh, pretty hot and uh you know doing your zombies uh bits isn't it for the last few game weeks so yeah i think um Aubameyang for me in terms of spurs assets i'll probably be looking again at trivia bringing back into the defense perhaps um shake things up a little bit he's been a little bit in and out of my uh my team but trippier's you know he's been a top uh top quality dangerous defender and definitely one to consider there not sure about Kane. Perhaps he can deliver, but you know, you've got to still think about those other midfield Spurs assets as well. Um, is there going to be a space for the likes of Ericsson and the likes of Ali in our team, uh, depending on how they're performing and uh, what they're up to at that point of um, point in time? They're always worth considering, though. What about you, Rishi? 
have you thought this far ahead at this moment in time? Do you think you're going to be loading up on those Spurs and Arsenal players or or maybe even bringing in Sterling um, and shifting things around a little bit over the Christmas period? Yeah, I mean, I just had a look at the fixtures. Um, I, I could say there might be an argument after game week 15 for going big at the front again. Um, you know, Liverpool's fixtures turn a little bit. Uh, from 15 to 21, they play United, Arsenal and City. Uh, they also have Burnley away, Bournemouth away, Wolves away, and Newcastle at home. So you might think that out of those uh, seven matches, there's only really one candidate where you're going to, you know, for sure be captaining a, a Salah or a Mane, which is the Newcastle fixture in 19. Uh, we do know that Kane typically does well over the, the Christmas period, and, you know, Arsenal's fixtures look pretty good too. So I, I think you're right. After 15, um, good time to reevaluate. There's also no international breaks after then, so that's... Uh, or not one for a little bit of time at least, so that's a, a good opportunity to start planning ahead uh, as well. I would be, I'd be willing to kind of consider those guys. I, I'm not sure if it'd be really worth swapping Aguero for Sterling. Let's see how Sterling does over the next few weeks. Um, but beyond that, in the same timeline, you know, we have uh, Chelsea who has a really solid run from game week 15 to game week 23, as they only have City as well. So I think there's uh, some good opportunity for investment in. Uh, Spurs and Arsenal and Chelsea over that period. So just a matter of how your squad balance uh, manages that. I think ultimately what we see here is a turn in fixtures has been, as we've noted, game week 15, game week 16 sort of time. And um, what that seems to open up is opportunity, especially around a very hectic time of year. So it may be a time when the more engaged FPL managers who are making plans and you know, thoroughly checking out what they're going to be doing and who they're going to be targeting in that period, they're going to ha- see big returns. Um, whereas maybe the more casual manager who's not really too sure of what's going on is playing it week to week, uh, maybe having a bit of a tougher time. Uh, if you do have your wild card still, that would be the ideal time to be setting up for that wild card game week 15. And um, there's a one uh, final round of European fixtures in game week 16 and 17, but we're pretty unadulterated in terms of servings of Premier League action within those moments. And uh, that might be a very good time to get your 90-minute men in. So maybe Kane would be a 90-minute man versus, versus a Sterling kind of character. And um, Aubameyang, yeah, I mean, no, I backed him very strongly at the start of the season. He was doing pits for my zombie team up until recently. But if he starts, then he doesn't seem to be able to score. Uh, so I think maybe Lacazette is probably still your man there. Um, Ericsson will probably be very high on my uh, short list of players we bring in because he seems to be the guy who makes that Spurs team tick. I think they're sit from bottom in terms of chances crazy, which is pretty damn poor. And that is probably directly correlated with him being unavailable. All right. The final question this week is from Mr. Walker Porter. Um, and it's about Cuneguero, who we mentioned earlier on. Is he the auto captain du jour? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people who are looking at it and thinking, well, he's returning for this week, apart from the Huddersfield game. He'd only return single figures, but he is very consistent in terms of how you look at your captaincy and what you judge as success. Like, do you judge your success as being an explosion? Do you judge success as being the player just getting a decent return doubled? If you do, if you look at it like the latter, then he's been very, very good. Like, you know, he's going to get you something. And um, Adam P at three, five, who says that he was considering selling Kun before this weekend, for example, but is now doubting it. We were talking about Hazard being the also captain last year. Salah was also captain. Given how good City are, is Kun the also captain, Nick? Last game week, we were talking about Salah being the auto captain. So it seems to switch week in, week out, depending on who who's in form. For me, I mean, I always favour the fixtures where the team, where the player is playing one of the sort of bottom five or the bottom six, especially at home. So when Aguero is playing Manchester United and Salah is playing Fulham at home, I'm not considering captaining Aguero. Um, I will be captaining Salah. So that, that's my answer. I, I would never sort of go and sort of auto-captain I mean, we've seen it in the past. I think Salah potentially was an auto-captain last season. Kane, maybe um, the season before. But you always have to, you know, keep one ear to the ground and see what's happening. Look at the form, look at the fixtures and make your mind up based on that. I mean, I think I'm in the same boat as you. Uh, You don't have a premium player unless you're going to consider captaining them. So I tend to look at the fixtures. I tend to look at, you know, the popular captain picks online on a various number of websites and go from there. So I think the real test for me this week is, you know, what, what do I do? Cause I don't have Salah and uh, you know, Mane either explodes or he blanks. So I'm not really sure I'd be uh, trustworthy enough to give him the, the R band, although it worked out for me a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, I think overall between Salah and Aguero, they both have, 
reasonable number of returns. You know, one of them, uh, Salah has six out of 11 returns, but only one double and two bonuses. Whereas Kuhn has seven out of 11 games with returns, two sets of doubles, but he obviously gets a lot more bonus. So that kind of tips it a little bit to Aguero for me, but I don't know. I, I, I like to look at the fixtures and considering we, most of us have two, if not three of these premium players, it seems silly just to stick it on one. Uh, I see. I see where you're coming from, and you know, with captaincy, I think we've definitely seen a movement towards safe captains uh, in, in the recent past. Like we don't like the captaincy to be a crate with a question mark on it that we drive through. We like it to be a player who was near guaranteed returns. Uh, the fact is that Sergio Aguero has been doing that. He's been returning despite the fact that he's not been exploding so much. Uh, the same, obviously, as Rich just said, is true of Mo Salah. But I'm looking at the next five Liverpool fixtures, Fulham at home, Watford away, Everton at home, Burnley away and Bournemouth away. I could feel just leave the captaincy on most Salah from now until uh, game week 16. I mean, maybe game week 14 when Kun's got Bournemouth at home, I'll be moving on to Kun. It's not really an auto-captain, as we've said. It's more about just having the premium assets in place in your team. You don't have to be in a situation like you are, Rishi, at the moment in terms of bringing in one of these guys. But having those guys in your team, that is an option every week. And maybe that's something in terms of the, the form and field options as well that maybe we'd would be more reticent to bring in a player like you mentioned that you weren't too sure about Mane, for example, getting the armband. Maybe that is a bit of a consideration in terms of how much we spend on players. Like a lot of the time it is price value heuristic, like the price of the player dictates on how much trust we have in giving them the most precious of mini chips every week. And it it really looks like having uh having Canaguero seems to hygiene um but most of the next five may be the guy that you'd be looking to captain, especially given the fact that he's only owned by what 36% like this time last year, that would be absolutely scandalous. Uh, so it might be good. It might be good to, uh, to put the caps on him and see those continued rises upwards. Okay. Speaking of uh, continued rising upwards, uh, let's move on to the transfers and captains for this week and what we're all going to be doing. Um, I'll start because it's very easy for me. I'm going to be rolling my free transfer over international break. It was always the point of uh, doing that minus four uh, for Arnautovic. And uh, yeah, I think that the team's fairly well set up in a 4-4-2. I've got the dream at the back. Um, I'm not sure whether I'll play Doherty or success at the moment. I'm fielding success and benching Doherty, but I'm not, I'm not entirely sure about that yet. And Mo Salah is obviously going to be the captain. Uh, no argument whatsoever. Um, but yeah, hopefully those two FT are going to mean that after international break, I can reassess and I'm in Hong Kong from Wednesday. So it's good to be able to just leave my team for quite a while. Although the prospects of having 18, 19 days without making a transfer is a bit weird. Uh, what about you, Rishi? What are you doing this week? And who's your captain going to be? So I think I'm the the black sheep this time around. I have two free transfers and I have a number of areas in my team where I want to make some surgeries. So I've mentioned uh, Mitrovic being at the top of that list. Uh, Knockart has done absolutely nothing since I brought him in. So he's got to go at some point. Uh, Madison, I mean, I'm hearing everybody about his stats and their fixtures, but you know, I've had him for a long time. So those are the three that I'm thinking about, but uh, must say that I, I think you guys are going to keep Salah on my mind for the next four days while I decide what to do. So if I don't get in Salah, I mean, I'm going to be captaining Hazard. Maybe Mane, but I, I just don't think there's a big enough couch for me to to, to deal with that roller coaster. Um, beyond that, uh, I think it's a little bit of a wait and see. So uh, I'll be thinking and talking about that online over the next few days. Yeah, fair enough. Um, a few big decisions there for you to make by the sounds of things. Plenty of uh, potential surgery uh, for your team. I think it's similar for my team at the moment as well. After a poor game week, you're always tempted to sort of rip up the team sheet and start again. And I think um, Mitrovic is going to be the first out for me for Anatovic, who's probably my preference over Wilson at this moment in time. Yeah, other than that, I'm probably not going to be doing another transfer. I am tempted to hold on to Madison and, you know, I'm a glutton for punishment in that regard. So probably hold on for him for another game week or two. And if he continues to blank, he'll have to go. But um, yeah, for me, the captain uh, will be Mo Salah. So yeah, uh, there's a theme to Every week, last week was Football Manager and FPL Stag, who's our guest next week, um, got there first. Uh, we were very happy with his result and his performance. Um, this week, um, probably a, more of an obvious one, but um, a slightly fun one as well. So I hope you enjoyed it and weren't too irritated by the random references. 
Okay, just say who we are again. We are who got the assist. You can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL. And our league, our main league, is 516 Uh We're joined today all the way from TDOT by Rishi, FPL Raccoon. Thanks so much for coming on, mate. It's been very good having you. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, thanks for joining us, Rishi. Um, there won't be a podcast immediately after game week 12, as Tom will be in Hong Kong. Yeah, I'm, I'm away, and uh, to be honest, we we're going to take advantage of the fact that there's an international break to mean that I didn't have to spend a little bit of my holiday editing if it was, you know, during a normal game week when I tried to do it. But we'll be back for a live pod uh, with FPL Stag. We've uh, gotten the live bug. Uh, every now and again, we'll do a live pod. Um, but we'll do that during the second week of international break just to update you on the talismans and how they're doing, uh, thanks to Mitchell Sterling in advance for what run those numbers for us. Very exciting. Uh, okay, so good luck for the game week ahead, and we hope this assisted you. Speak soon. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. It's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.